Welcome to Life Value of Money, a life-changing, community-driven podcast. I'm Antonio Sanchez. I'm Ethan Fritz. And I'm Maria Herman. In this podcast, we'll discover financial optimization, explore personal finance, talk about financial independence, and our financial journeys from start to finish. Ethan, how did you get into finance and financial independence? Oh, I'm glad you asked that question, Maria. I first learned about personal finance in high school. Same. So I guess one question is, what what kind of class did you guys take? Was there, because I, I know I took a, a Dave Ramsey course. I did too. And it came with like this workbook and Dave yep. Ramsey like had all these lecture videos. Likewise. I think that's the one I had too. Yeah. It was yep. probably the exact yeah, same probably. thing. It probably was. Yeah. Yeah. Was yeah. it, didn't his daughter do a few? Mm-hmm. Yes, she did. A few of them. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I think it was a really good course overall. I'm, I'm really glad that we took it. I know a lot of people, unfortunately, probably wouldn't have learned much about finance if they weren't forced to go. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it was a, a good thing overall. And I'm very glad that they do make courses and market them towards schools. Yeah. I agree. It gave me basic knowledge on how to write my budget, how to stick with it, how to save, and what investments even are. Because I knew that I I wanted to be smart with my finances when I was in high school. I had this idea that I wanted to go to college without any debt, but I didn't know beyond not taking out student loans and applying for scholarships, like what I wanted to do with my finances. Yeah, same here. Did did either of you guys ever play around with the retirement calculators online? Oh, yes. One of them told me that if I saved $100 a month for the rest of my life, I would have $1.5 million. I don't, I don't think it was right exactly, but I know I'll get there one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are, those are one of my pet peeves because I, I know um, I used to play with it all the time and I think it told me once that I needed like $10 million to retire. And I saw that and I thought, there is no way that I'm going to get $10 million before I retire. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just, it's just impossible. Because the thing was, Dave Ramsey talked about investing in funds that had an 8 to 12% rate of return. And that's not really what the stock market's like. At least as I grow up, I feel like I'm not going to rely on anything like that. And so I would type in, like, if I save $100 a month at a 10% rate of return, it would come out to millions of dollars. And Yeah, I don't think I've messed around too much with it. I've just kind of done the numbers in my head of what I would need to do. And I always thought, like, if you wanted to make that kind of money, you'd have to do some serious investing or, like, start a business and just hope you get really lucky, be the next Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates. So I thought that was, that was kind of unattainable in a way. And so when I first heard about FI... From Dave Ramsey, I thought, okay, this is interesting. Now there's actually an opportunity and there's a, there's a lifestyle that I can choose that maybe at first might be a little bit difficult or rather an adjustment. But if I go down that road, towards the end, I'll start reaping the benefits. What are some of the financial decisions that you guys made in high school? In high school? Mm-hmm. What was finance like for you? Like, did, were you making any money? Were you saving any money? Were you a spender? It's a good question. I had a limited income in high school. I didn't really have a job. I did do some stuff for my dad. He had a bit of an electronics business on the side. 
and I would help out with that. So my income was kind of minimal, but one thing I did do, and this is kind of basic. I do remember Dave Ramsey saying, you know, one good thing to start out with when making a bank account is to make a separate checking and saving account. And so I made a bank account and I asked to make a separate checking and saving. And if I got a paycheck, I would put all these, like most of that in my checking because I needed money, but I would also put kind of a small portion in, in savings. And I, I didn't have any strict like numbers. I didn't do any math to calculate any kind of exact figures for that. But that's one thing in high school that I started to do with the uh, FI mindset. So tell me more about this electronics business. How did that come about? So good question. Uh, I don't know the exact details on everything. So my dad, he's a carpenter by trade. So he does a lot of interior work. Uh, he did custom cabinetry, uh, a little bit of contract work here and there. So with the electronics business, he would essentially be like a, a bit of a middleman between two businesses. We, you would have a factory making cables for various uses, and he would essentially buy those cables off that factory uh, and kind of add on things to them, uh, adding connectors and pens, that sort of thing, splicing. A few other things he did, uh, he did testing for um, these pressure valves. There's some stuff with solenoids. Like I said, it's been a few years, so I kind of forget mostly what, what happened, but it was a lot of hands-on labor type work. You would just kind of sit uh, and just work on cables for a couple of hours. And he would pay me sometimes by the batch, sometimes hourly. I, I was an actual, an official employee for, uh, of him for a short while. But yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. Nothing too eventful. I can relate. I also worked for my dad when I was in high school. My first job was working for my dad when I was 15. And he owns a barcode printer sales business. And so I would work on spreadsheets and customer research and product marketing. And it, it was kind of cool, the skills I gained there. The second job I had was when I was 16, I was a lifeguard for a summer. And that was very hot. Not a lot to do. People generally knew how to swim and just told a bunch of kids to stop running. And then... The summer in between high school and college, I did not work, and I just focused on getting a job for the fall semester, but I did have some savings, which was really, really nice going into college. Now, was that a, at a YMCA or like a public pool? So I worked as a lifeguard at my neighborhood pool. I lived, yeah, I was lucky to live in a neighborhood with a pool, and nice. it was close. I didn't drive yet. I biked to work, and I got to even work with my sister who's four years older than me. That's really cool. So it sounds like you guys were introduced to the entrepreneurial mindset fairly early in life. Would that be, I guess, an accurate yeah. way of describing that? You'd say that? Yeah, my dad actually owns that business with a couple of his brothers. That's really cool to hear, though. So I did not have much of a financial background to speak of, I suppose, in high school or before that. I knew what finances were, and I, of course, took the Dave Ramsey class in high school, but otherwise I didn't make money, didn't spend money, really, until I graduated high school, at which point my first job was working as a dishwasher at Top of the Market in Stork Dayton. At the same time, I was going to college for computer science. I had started an on-campus job, and at the same time, I was also an assistant engineer for WWSU Radio. I kind of went from nothing to jumping into absolutely everything. Yeah, that's a lot. 
it it was definitely a lot. Quite the jump. <laughs> yes. How about you guys? I think we can relate to each other on just being busy freshmen in college. For the audience, Ethan, Antonio, and I all know each other from going to Wright State University in Dayton, Ohio, and being involved in a student organization called Crew, where we just all met and found that we had similar interests, and the rest is history. Pretty much. (laughs) When I was in high school, I was like, I want to go to college without debt. My parents aren't paying for college at all. It's all on me. So that means I'm not going to go live in dorms because they're super expensive. I'm going to go to college close to home and I'm going to apply to lots and lots of scholarships. And the best day of my life was opening a letter from Wright State University saying that I had received a full tuition honors scholarship in addition to all the other scholarships that I may have received from them and any outside of the school scholarships. Oh, wow. So, hallelujah. That's really cool. I was going to get paid to go to college. That is really, really cool. So, dream come true. That's where I'm at now. Every semester, I get a $3,000 refund. That is absolutely amazing. Instead of paying money. That is the dream right there. Definitely sounds like you've uh, you've hacked college. (laughs) Yes, I have. And so many parents want to hold their children's hands all the way up through college and pay for everything but i came from a home with seven kids that was never gonna happen my parents couldn't pay for any of our college and they sent us to private christian school and so they spent plenty of money on us in grade school that made it impossible for them to save for our college and they've told us since the beginning since we were young that they were not helping us Because they paid for their own high school and their own college, so they knew we could do it. Some of my siblings went into thousands and thousands of dollars of debt, and some of us did not. Like, me and my sister both have gotten to be paid to go to college. Would you say that knowing from a young age that you would have to pay for college contributed to your drive to find a better way? Oh, yeah. It definitely helped me to be hardworking and... Knowing from a young age prepared me for coming up with strategies to hack college. It wasn't the responsibility of my parents. I took it on for myself and I succeeded. So I'm honestly happy that my parents made that decision because otherwise they would be spending tens of thousands of dollars right now, even though it was always possible for me to get a beyond full tuition scholarship. But I went and got it because I knew I would have to pay for it otherwise. For sure. It's a very good uh, point right there. It's definitely (laughs) a topic that we can dive deeper into in another episode. Absolutely. My way that I was able to hack college and even how my sister was able to hack college and what things to plan for your kids because it doesn't have to be saving $100,000 for your kid's education. You can mobilize them and motivate them to take that on for themselves and that can look a lot of different ways but it might be helpful to share how how that looked for my family so what are we all studying right now i started out studying computer science after a year in computer science i decided that it was not what i wanted to do i did not enjoy it the way that i thought i would and it was very structured and Ironically, I did not like the structure, which mm-hmm. if you if you know me personally, I'm a very, very structured person and I'm very particular about 
the way things are organized. And so you'd think I would be perfectly happy in it in an organized structured environment, but I actually did not like it at all. So I ended up switching from computer science to a finance degree. Now, do you think it might have been classes that you were taking or the professors that you didn't like? Was there any particular reasons that really drove you to kind of take a step back and reevaluate your degree? I think a number of things contributed to that. For one, the professors were very no-nonsense. I'll put it that way. And it could be very difficult sometimes to get along with them. And that certainly contributed to not enjoying uh, the degree. <laughs> but for the most part, I, I found that it wasn't so much that I was passionate about programming and engineering and math classes. It actually was more of a hobby for me. And so when I started to try to learn more to take it to the next level, I realized that that was not something that I enjoyed. Yeah, and that's actually pretty important. I think a lot of people should really decide, you know, what are their interests and what do they see themselves doing as a career? Because you can have hobbies and you can also have work and that's a whole other discussion. Yes. And one of the most important pieces of advice I could possibly give to people going into college is do not be afraid to change your major. Because a lot of times it is seen negatively if you change your major, especially one or two years into your degree. But it is so completely worth changing majors, even if you have to go back and take more credits to graduate, if it is something that you will enjoy more than the degree that you are in. Because once you get that degree, you could very well be locked into a field that you don't enjoy for a very long time. Yeah. You're studying engineering, right, Ethan? That is correct. I actually... It's, it's a little different. So I started with mechanical engineering and uh, it turns out that a four-year degree in mechanical engineering uh, wasn't working out for me. So my plan was just to get a degree and start making the 65 grand a year that engineers on average make with a BA and kind of go from there. Well, that didn't work out. And so I like how you brought up changing majors Okay, so you were in mechanical engineering, but you yes. something changed. What changed? So things weren't so hot in engineering school. Uh, multiple reasons for that. Like Antonio said, some of the professors I had, and not just for engineering classes, but for my science electives, weren't the best teachers, mostly for, for math. At the time I went at Wright State, the math program was not known to be the best. It wasn't terrible, but it could have been better. And another reason is, is going into engineering school, I didn't expect that level of mathematics. I kind of knew, but I didn't really expect it. And I, and I also didn't really see the point. Obviously, I knew it was more of a weed out. And that's my personal opinion. Uh, I know that the state law requires that. And there are probably some engineers out there who, who think that, you know, engineers should learn higher level math. But besides the point, engineering just didn't work out for me. I, I was spinning my wheels. I was failing classes left and right. I was passing a few, but it just wasn't enough. And so eventually I realized I can't stay in school forever. And things at Ray State weren't working out so well either. Like academically speaking, I was kind of in the danger zone, if you will. So I had to make the transition to a community college. I transferred to Sinclair, also in Dayton, where I did some research and they have a program um, it's called mechanical engineering technology. So it's kind of a step down from mechanical engineering. So it's more on the technical level. 
uh, more hands-on, less uh, theory and mathematics, all that sort of thing. And I realized, you know, what if I, I wish I kind of found out about this earlier and maybe could have done this for two years. And if I wanted to go for another two years at Bright State or another school that offered a two-year extension to get like a full bachelor's degree. So that's kind of where I'm at currently with, with uh, school. Yeah. So to answer that question, I am studying music education, concentration in voice at Wright State University. The only one of our trio who's still at Wright State three years into my degree. (laughs) (laughs) So I knew that I wanted to be a teacher when I was a senior in high school and I had to choose like what subject I might want to teach and kind of landed on music because it was fun. And with finance in mind, when I started learning about like financial independence, I thought there's no way I'm ever going to be able to do this because I'm choosing the fulfilling career that doesn't pay very much. But since then, things have changed as I have learned about the 457 or 403B. What is that? I think those are both. The 457. So I've learned about, you know, the 457 and the 403B retirement accounts that teachers have access to and concepts like geo-arbitrage. I might work outside of America. I know that it might take me a little bit longer, but that I can reach financial independence. I think that's really cool that you you made the connection that a lot of people think when they think of teaching, they think of low paying job teachers who have to spend 40 plus years teaching in order to retire. And it sounds like you came to that realization that teaching and financial independence is not a dichotomy and that Mm -hmm. you can really have both if you game out the system. Right. Yeah. If you optimize your life. Yeah. And that's a mentality to have that I feel like a lot of people are missing. They quit to evaluate their life and go, yeah, I don't think I can make it. I'm not Bill Gates. I'm not a millionaire. How am I supposed to reach financial independence but actually it's there's a there's a mindset and a lifestyle that pretty much anyone with at least a reliable source of income can kind of aspire to have so antonio how did you learn about financial independence i learned about financial independence in i would say two ways the first way is when i graduated high school my dad accidentally became financially independent (laughs) And he is one of the only people I know that has ever accidentally become financially independent. <laughs> and and that's because growing up, he was he was a fairly frugal person and just a natural saver. And he knew that he needed to save. He just didn't know why. And so kind of like a bird following, you know, instincts, he just saved and saved and saved all through his military career in the Air Force. And then he left the Air Force, got a job, kept saving and One day, he's on the computer reading Mr. Money Mustache, who is, of course, one of the biggest financial independence bloggers in the sphere. And Who also got financial independence accidentally. Correct. And he was also an engineer. (laughs) And my dad read the simple math of early retirement, I believe, and just had this huge epiphany that, holy crap, he was financially independent and didn't even know it, which was really hilarious. Funny enough. I was reading that blog post today. <laughs> it's such a good post. <laughs> but yeah, so that so he discovered financial independence because he reached it without realizing it and tried to get me interested in it. And at the time, I, I think I had just graduated high school and I wasn't very interested in finance at this point. And I pretty much just ignored it. 
And then as I went through my first year of college, I started to accumulate a lot of debt. So I actually did not have to pay for college. And despite not having any college bills, quote unquote, I was spending a lot of money fixing my car, uh, on gas, on food, just a lot of little things that I could have optimized but didn't. And I, I ended up in debt in the space of about eight months, which is, of wow. course, very, yeah, very, very bad. Quite a bit. Yes. <laughs> Did that happen from loans or from, like, credit card use? or That happened from, you could say that happened from loans of okay. a sort. Yeah, so most of that was actually my, I, when I purchased my second car because mm-hmm. I was about $4,000, $5,000 in debt. And at that point, I realized that I really needed to turn some things around fairly quickly. <laughs> and I started researching financial independence myself. And I started reading blog posts. I read through every single blog post Mr. Money Mustache has ever written. I started reading through all kinds of other blogs and started listening to podcasts, uh, Choose FI. And and when was this? This was all late 2019. Okay. And... Which is when you told me about financial independence. Correct. Yes. So I I actually had been getting into financial independence for, I would say, less than a month before I started telling you about it. Wow. Yeah, it was it was really life-changing. And that, that was the point at which I really, really started to turn things around and got rid of my first vehicle, got a second vehicle that was much more fuel efficient, much more reliable, and really just, just went from there, kept optimizing, kept learning, and here I am today. Awesome. So what I love about your story is that you first learned about financial independence from your dad. You are the definition of second generation fire. And I wish that I had a model like that in my life growing up, but I didn't. The way that I heard about financial independence for the first time was late 2019 from Antonio sitting right next to me. I was talking with him about investing in a Roth IRA and trying to save more and stay out of debt. And he, his interest peaked and he was like, I've got to tell you about something. It's called Financial Independence. Here's this podcast to hear more about it. And he just introduced me to this whole new world. I started listening to a podcast called called Choose Fi that he introduced me to. And my first thought was, this is cool and all, but I don't know if I really like believe them or even if it's possible for the 100K salary person if I could ever do this because I'm going to be a teacher. And as I kept listening, kept listening, Brad and Jonathan on that podcast totally changed my mind. They made it absolutely clear that this is for anyone and everyone if you just take the actionable tips and apply them. And so now I'm on my journey to five, trying to save and invest, and hopefully one day retire early. Thanks to Antonio. No problem. I think the secret to financial independence can be summed up in three words, and that is optimize and act. Mm-hmm. And if you if you do those two things and if just apply it to your whole life, you're pretty much set. Did you say two words or three words? I you said three. Said three words, yeah. and then it was two things. Yeah. So it was all optimize accurate. and act. Uh, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> So, Ethan, how did you get introduced to this? All right. So, like I said, my initial knowledge came from high school. But I, was it from the Dave Ramsey class or was it ever called financial independence? I believe he called it financial independence back, uh, at least what Dave Ramsey did. 
I had never heard about this from anybody else. My parents didn't really talk about it. Yeah, I didn't have any friends or family that talked about it or brought up that kind of a lifestyle. I always thought that you just found something you would like to do or found like a good career and just made money and saved up. And like what changed? You thought it was one way. How did that, what changed your mind? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. So when I took Dave Ramsey's class, I was impressed with how much of my life that I could optimize and how much you could kind of cut it. Like it's a lot of, in my opinion, it's a lot of fat trimming and finding things, finding corners that you, you can cut. Well, that's a bad analogy. Finding, <laughs> finding trim things that you can trim off. off. I was talking over you. Sorry. <laughs> You're good. What does your dad do now? Oh, wait, did he, like, totally quit? No, no, he didn't. So, he works... I thought, yeah, it's a stupid question, because he's financially independent, but he still does stuff. No, that's a totally valid question. So, I mean, you know, the the funny answer is he does whatever he wants, but he, he works about 10 hours a week on programming, because that's his passion, and he just loves to do it. And the rest of the time, he's doing house improvements and whatever he wants to do, bike rides... So the whole house remodel here is his hands doing the work? Yes. Okay. Yes. Virtually every part of this house remodel has been done by him. That's awesome. It's a DIY house. So are your parents trying to optimize like the whole, like the parts and the everything they get that they remodel or used to remodel? Like do they buy secondhand or... Do they just buy whatever they want and then, like, the savings comes from the fact that he's doing the labor? Well, uh, <laughs> actually, it's kind of neither of those things. So they decided on just materials they liked, uh, partially because they plan on doing this remodel once and never remodeling the house again. Mm-hmm. And my dad is the only one doing the remodel because he has OCD. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he has, he has trouble letting go sometimes and letting other people do some of the work. But it was yeah, a really good question. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, keep the juices flowing. So, Ethan, you were introduced. <laughs> you and the meat analogies. <laughs> that, I don't know. I'm sorry. It's... I love it. It just comes naturally. Okay, so you were introduced to financial independence by Dave Ramsey in high school. How did you take that concept on as your own, and what more did you learn through college? Right. So, first of all. I knew that saving was important. Now, one of the things that he strongly advocated for was just to not pick up any kind of debt. The feeling I got was a strong feeling of just do whatever you can to avoid any kind of loans, whether they're car payments, whether they're student loans, bank loans, that sort of thing. Now, I did have that intention, so I did seek out a few scholarships, at least tried to. I wasn't very adamant with it. I I did get a few. And like I mentioned earlier, I did kind of lose those. And so going back to to kind of my initial plan with engineering, my idea was, sure, I was going to pick up at this point, I knew, okay, I I was going to pick up some amount of debt, but I didn't expect it to be a crazy amount. So I figured, okay, after college, if I can get this degree, I can just try my best to live a somewhat conservative style, uh, financially speaking. And kind of pay that off within like a year or two and move on with my life. You mean like somewhat frugal? Right. So like 
maybe use the same car I've been driving to college every day instead of immediately going out and buying a new one, living at with my parents for another year, or finding a finding roommates for an apartment, that, that sort of thing, just to to kind of get started and, and conserve money a little bit. But I didn't really apply a whole lot, at least my first years of college, and in, in terms of just trying to to save as much. Like my first few years, I didn't have a job, and so that kind of limited to me. Like I, I was kind of dependent on those scholarships to to pay for school. At the same time, with my car, my first car, I actually bought with graduation money, uh, and it was actually a really good deal. It was a nice. Uh, it was like a two thousand one Chevy Cavalier. It's a two-door hatch or oh, coupe, and it wasn't in bad shape. And I got it for six hundred fifty dollars. Wow! Wow! Quite a steal. Uh, originally, how many was, miles? It was a little over a hundred k. Okay, but with the two thousand one, you're thinking like, oh, that thing has like two hundred thousand miles. Right, it must. Yeah, you would think it'd be you know rusted out by by then, but uh, yeah. there was a lot of rust. But that wasn't <laughs> my concern. Like, okay, this is great. I have a car now. That I was going to buy with cash. That's that's one thing I, I did try to follow with Dave Ramsey is I didn't want to pull out a car loan. I wanted to find something, even if it was dirt cheap, as long as it kind of ran and drove comfortably and didn't kill me. For me, that was fine. So I, I got what I wanted. Unfortunately, that car got rear-ended that fall of my freshman year. Mm. Ironically enough, it was at Sinclair. Uh, it was I was picking up a friend's because he, he was going to school there at the time. And and I got rear-ended by a, a 16-year-old. Uh, so kind of fill in the, the statistic there. No, it's Ouch. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty fun. I mean, it wasn't fun at the time, a low-speed rear-end too. What happened with that was it, it, like I said, there's so much rust underneath my car. It just smashed my bumper frame and there wasn't really much. It, it would have cost me more money to fix it than what I really paid for and what it was worth. And actually, now that I remember it, this is, it was kind of a bit of a hack because, like I said, I paid $650 for it, right? When I say $650, I kind of negotiated the price a little bit. The guy selling it was trying to get rid of it because he was moving, and I kind of took that to my advantage. I knew another thing I remember from, from high school, I'm kind of going on a tangent of a tangent here, but Dave Ramsey was, was an advocate for kind of bartering a little bit when it comes to pre-owned stuff like that. Anyways, uh, he was really kind, and he kind of knocked the price down from like, it must have been like eight fifty to six fifty. Now, when it got rear-ended, my insurance said we'll give you twenty one hundred dollars as like a coverage. You know, I, I had to you know scrap it, of course, but for a Chevy Cavalier, yes, twenty one hundred dollars. Wow! And that for me was kind of the biggest, like the first like hack. Kind of, I, I basically made money off of my car insurance. A credit that is, car, yeah. Right. That's really cool. Not a lot of people can say that. No, not at all. And the nice thing is I didn't pay a whole lot for services when I first got it. I just got an oil change and that's about it. The engine was rock solid. The brakes, tires, all that sort of stuff, good to go. It was like the perfect A to B car. And so, yeah, I was a little sad that I, I lost my first car. But with those $2,100, I could buy myself a laptop I could go find another somewhat cheap car, and I had a little bit of money to uh, to spare for food and extra spending money. That inspired me in a way to like keep up with uh, financial mindsets, and I think that was kind of a kind of a cool thing to happen. So, am I correct in saying that right now you are pursuing financial independence? You want to retire early? 
so the idea is, yeah, I I do I would like to, or at least have the ability right, to retire. Early. Right, have that ability. Uh, kind of like you know, with your dad, you know, he works ten hours a week. That's not bad. I mean, having something to do is is always kind of mentally healthy. Like I know that for a lot of people, work is kind of a drive to them. It kind of keeps them alive, if you will. Um, gives them a purpose. <laughs> right, right. It gives you a purpose in life. Uh, besides some other things, obviously, there's there's a lot of fun hobbies you can do with your, your money. But yeah, that's that's kind of the goal for me. And that's kind of what the original plan was with engineering. It's just to save a lot of money on the side along with my job. So I wasn't planning on living an extravagant lifestyle four years out of college. I knew that eventually if I wanted to buy a house, I would want to pay you know most of it down with cash. And same thing with with cars and and a lot of stuff that that kind of lose value over time. Now, before we go any further, I think we should define the word retirement as we use it on this podcast, since you did bring up a really good point about not sitting around watching golf and eating potato chips. Do you want to uh, go ahead and, I guess, talk about what what exactly you may mean when you say the word retirement? Yeah, uh, good, good point. I'm glad you brought that up. So for me, retirement is just kind of you get to a certain point, and in terms of having that FI mindset, that would be getting to a certain point where I have enough money in the bank to where that kind of money makes itself. In addition, of course, I could also have investments, all sorts of assets that I could have. There's different ways to retire with financial independence or retire early. Your money and everything that you've kind of contributed to any kind of savings whatsoever makes itself now. You're self-sufficient in a way, so you don't have to work for a living. You can choose whether you want to or not. It's, it's more just like a, yeah, yeah, I guess that kind of sums it up. So essentially, we're, we're using the word retirement as as another word for financial freedom, essentially. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it might not be that you don't work, but it's where you're at the point that you have enough in your investments that you can withdraw some of the dividends is that the right word for it or the returns or returns yeah because dividends are are a different part so that you can withdraw a small percentage of the returns in our case three to four percent and live off of that money now as i think about financial independence i may not stop teaching i might use that money instead to do good things in the world give it away to people or I might stop working and use it all to travel. Who knows? But I'm young and I want the financial freedom eventually and I want it as fast as I can get it. Right. Before we finish with your story, Ethan, you learned what financial independence was. You had things, you had ways to optimize your life and have that FI mindset. But tell us at what point did you choose FI? So I think... I officially kind of decided, okay, this is definitely something I'm going to do is when Antonio kind of first brought up the podcast idea. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think you just texted me. It was It was like from like one to ten, like what's your interest in personal finance? And I thought it was an interesting question. Yeah. And when was this? Like 11, 15 at night? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty late. It was, uh, it was kind of a random question, but I'm like, you know, to me it's important. So I don't remember what number I chose. I remember it was I remember it was decently high. With the podcast, I realized, okay, this is kind of the medium to not only 
explore some ideas about at least optimi optimizing my my lifestyle, but also kind of in a way keep myself accountable. Yeah, I totally agree. So I actually just found the conversation. Oh, there it is. So it looks like on May 18th at 9.30 at night, really random question. On a scale of one to 10, where would you say you are in terms of interest and personal finance? And you said probably around a seven. I think there's some important things that everyone should know about the topic. Yeah. And it just kind of went from there. Yeah, I think uh, I would change that to like an eight or a nine now. That's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> okay, do you guys want to go kind of into like answer that sort of question? Like I chose five mm -hmm. or like what changed my mind and then we can talk about what we want out of this podcast because I love how you just mentioned that. Okay, so like Ethan and I have both talked about, Antonio introduced us to financial independence. I learned about it from Antonio just about a month after he started really researching it. And so I listened to a financial independence podcast called Choose Fi. I listened to that podcast for the past seven or so months and considered all the things that they said, absorbed all that information, but it took a while to convince me that this could be for me and that it took me it took me a while to realize I truly wanted this lifestyle and I wanted the ability to retire early. And so I think it it's really only been like three weeks since I've I called Antonio on the phone and I was like, it finally makes sense. I want to do financial independence. I'm actually choosing this and I'm going to save more and invest more and change stuff about my living situation, optimize my life and be more frugal. This is what I want to do. And so I think Ethan and I can both relate that we only chose this very recently, but we're very excited about it, all three of us. And absolutely. We just want to know more in the world of FIRE, financial independence, retire early. We want to explore and we want to share what we've learned and share our journey as well. I think we just have a very unique perspective. I'm 20 years old. I'm 19 years old. And I'm 22. We are at the point that the people we're learning from wish they had started from. We are so young. We we are we have the ability to take everything we've learned and retire as early as anyone can possibly retire early. And, and to add on to that, I, I think maybe what you're, what you're trying to say is we have the knowledge from the pioneers of financial independence, if you will, and now we are kind of the second generation, and we are able to take that and document our own journeys and kind of show the world what it's like following in the footsteps of the pioneers of financial independence and just how attainable it is. So people don't just have to hear from the you know stereotypical high-paid engineer that, hey, this is a possible lifestyle. But now people can see that even just young kids starting out in life, you know, just, just getting started can also pursue this path. Mm -hmm. And so we're hoping to document our journey towards financial independence, taking everything we've learned and not making the same mistakes that the people before us have made and really, really doing all the optimizations and life hacks that they have put before us and suggested. And sharing our experiences and our setbacks as well to, uh, to help anyone else who's out there listening. 
of course, there will be mistakes along the way. We can't avoid them. But but we hope that there will be less than some of the people who have come before us. And that's why you're listening to to this podcast, because we are a community-driven podcast. We do want to involve the people listening to an extent and also just I think as this kind of second generation fire, if you will, uh, I think there's a way we can relate to people around our age who are interested in starting this lifestyle at a young age and following through with it. Or even just interested in learning more Yeah, and, and taking a few of the things that we can illuminate for you guys, if not everything. Yeah, right. Yeah, definitely. And just, just being there as, as living proof that it is absolutely possible to pursue a life of financial independence from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Even for someone who's switched colleges, changed their major, had different jobs, someone who's going to be a teacher and isn't going to make tons of money. Someone who's left college. Yeah. Right. Or someone who has uh, switched from uh, maybe a state school to a community college. Honestly... We haven't gotten the chance to do a ton of life optimizations, a ton of investing, because like for me, I chose that I was going to do this three weeks ago, (laughs) but you're along with the journey with us and we're hoping to do a lot more in the days, weeks, years to come. Well said. Absolutely. Absolutely.